Hey, and welcome to the first episode of Maker Memos, where I talk with indie hackers about their side projects and side hustles. Today, my guest is Tim Woods, who is the maker behind Hikari.io, dubbed the hardest puzzle game you'll ever play. We'll talk a little bit about Tim, his process around building Hikari, tech stack, how he monetized things, as well as what happened when Hikari launched on Hacker News. Things went a little crazy. Okay, hello Tim. Welcome to the Maker Memos podcast. Um, you are the first guest, the first episode of hopefully many more, many more to come. What so, a privilege! <laughs> this is intended to be a fairly quick fire round, so um, we're going to jump straight into it. And maybe you want to just start and share a bit about who you are, your background, and um, yeah, where you're where you're located. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Privileged to be number one. Hopefully, there will be a number two, number three. <laughs> it's not the only episode. Um, but no, this is great. Thanks for having me on. So yeah, my background. So I've been in software development for a long time, pretty old. <laughs> so I used to be a programmer, not a particularly good one, but uh, I was a programmer for a while. Uh, so that was sort of 15 years ago or so. And uh, the last 10 years or plus 10, yeah, 10 to 15 years have been more a product manager, essentially, um, or a product leader, so running product teams. So I've been very hands-off for a long time, but I did use to code um, back in the day on some old architecture and things like that, but very rusty, not an active programmer at all, I would say, anymore. Okay. Um, and you're based in the UK, right? I am, Southampton, yeah. Okay. And today we're going to talk about your latest, and is, it, is this your only public side project? Um I think it is at the moment yeah i'm hoping there's going to be more but at the moment it's the only public one yeah i've done side projects in the past but they've all died i would say okay so the one we're going to talk about today though is hikari.io yeah. is that pronounced right that's right yeah and you want to just tell us a little bit about exactly what it is yeah so it's kind of a quirky one um it's uh <laughs> it's a kind of multidisciplinary product <laughs> uh sort of um uh treasure hunt kind of game i guess puzzle okay. game um, and it's kind of retro. So yeah, many years ago when I was a developer, I played this game called um, Notpron. And I think it's notpron.org. Um, it's maybe a bit niche, but in that kind of world, it's it's really big now. It's quite famous. Um, and I played this game. Yeah, it must have been 15, maybe even 20 years ago. Something oh, okay. like um, and even at the time, it was kind of very retro when I played it. And I thought, this is kind of cool. Uh, it's a bit quirky, uh, a bit old school. Um, but really hard. So, you know, I spent quite a bit of time on it and only got to, I don't know, level 20 or something. I think it was like 150 levels. Wow. I remember thinking at the time, I really like this idea. It was quite techy, um, but generally quite accessible for people to just get in and start. And I thought I'd love to create a game like that. And then I just didn't really think about it for a long time. Um, and then I'd say about a year ago, I was thinking, okay, I would definitely like to get back into building things. I've got a whole list of things. What would be a cool one to just start with, essentially, that wasn't too technically challenging or didn't require too many moving pieces, let's say. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, let's create this game. So I thought, um, yeah, let, let's just, it's, it's kind of inspired by Notpron, but it's very different. I think Notpron is a lot more technical. I tried to create something that would be a bit more open to people that maybe um, were just familiar with using the web and Mm -hmm. uh, view source of a page and understanding urls but didn't necessarily need too much technical details or too much technical depth so i tried to keep it relatively simple essentially okay um, so this idea came to you 15 years ago and then you uh took a little while to kind of stew on it and then actually actually put something together i'm very slow at getting things done <laughs> I've so, actually got this, all, all things like that and it's just it takes a while to come come around to so okay so that's interesting there so this list like have you just got lots of ideas stored in a notepad somewhere? Like, how do you kind of keep on 
track of all these things that you may build at some point? Yeah. So nowadays it's in Notion, but I guess for many okay. years it was Google Docs or just um, different notes on a on an iPhone. Um, but yeah, I've tried to centralize everything in like a Notion uh, database now. Okay. Um, and what do you store in there? Like what, what what sort of detail? Yeah, I think it's just like that initial idea of like, okay, I've seen something, I'd like to build something like that, or I could do it slightly differently and just kind of summarize some general ideas and then just keep going back to it over time. So like over the course of a year, start to sort of really thrash out some of these things. So I think with Hikari.io, yeah, I mean, I just jotted down like, oh, let's get back to this, something like not prone, a kind of puzzle game. And then just started to add levels. The more I thought about it and thought, okay, this would be a cool level. Let's put that in there. So by the time I came around to actually using it, there was quite a lot of detail in there that I could kind of and reuse. I think it's really amazing because you forget stuff. You see interesting things. And if you don't, well, certainly for me, if I don't write them down, I will just forget those points. Mm. Yeah, I try to log um, the inspiration as I go. Okay. And I'm guessing by the sounds of things, it's not something you validated anyway. Like you didn't actually talk to anyone about this particular idea and see that it could be have potential. Absolutely not. In fact, okay. the only person I really told was my wife and she thought it was terrible. <laughs> so yeah, I wasn't looking for validation at all because um, I thought let's just try it. And I thought, I, you know, the initial thought was let's just build a few levels and put it out there and just see if people kind of get it essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get into the actual building a bit more bit more in a minute um and was there any reason why to go for this one like you said about wanting to get back into building something like was there a reason to go for this over something else were there any other contenders on the shortlist yeah it's a great question so there is a number of reasons why this this was the best fit um i think the first one was it was fun so you know just do something that's really enticing some of the other things that um you know i'm sort of half working on they are interesting and i really like them but this was just pure fun it was mm. like not a business idea i wasn't intending to make any money out of it it was just like okay let's just build something really cool and i also really wanted to get back into um building so i thought well you know let's learn about node.js let's learn about um some basics of just getting something up and running and pick something that wouldn't require too much of a learning curve it would be Mm. quite a simple product but although hukari has actually grown quite (laughs) in complexity quite a bit there's multiple sites and there's all kind of different pieces to it um, it still wasn't that complicated. So you didn't really have to sign in or anything like that. Uh, and initially I wasn't even going to use a database. I thought let's just make this kind of a, a static site with JavaScript, but I have added a database now. Um, so yeah, that, that was key for me. It was like, okay, I don't want too many hurdles here. Mm. Um, I just want to build something that's very lightweight, very fast. And to be honest, I gave myself like just a couple of weeks to have something up and running. Um, oh, really? End to end. Yeah. Wow. I do think it's a really important point because I've got a graveyard of unfinished started projects of all sorts of things that I wanted to build and then you realize it's a lot harder to do than it than you realize you know than you first set out and they very quickly lose motivation to to build it and um, I think it's a really important lesson of like if you can build something really really tiny to start with and build up that momentum that can be really helpful to getting the first few side projects over the line totally agree and I think the one thing that people don't talk about very much is that people talk about learning to program and that's actually the easiest part I think like to learning to code and writing some JavaScript I think the hardest part is actually all the stuff around it, getting an mm. application live. Like you've got to put it on a server somewhere. You've got to mm. pay for that. You've got to get SSL. You've got to buy a certificate. You've got to get your domain name sorted. You've got to do the DNS. You've got to forward it. And then it's just, if you're plugging in a database, you've got to have database and make it secure. And there's just all these pieces to making a simple app kind of mm. run well. And probably the easiest part of everything is writing a piece of code, writing the programming itself. Right, right. 
Yeah. So for me, it was like, okay, let's just build something very stripped down where I can just get my head back into all the pieces that I need to get an app up and running, essentially. Okay. Um, it was a good candidate for that. I think that's quite a nice segue into the uh, next section on this then, which is you've kind of got this idea. So you decided off from your shortlist is the one to build for, for the reasons you just stated there. Um, what does that process actually look like? So you've already got some ideas noted out. Like what was one of the first things you did when you actually decided I'm going to go and start building this today, tomorrow, whatever? Yeah. So I think being a product manager, what I should have done is did kind of wireframes <laughs> get up and tested it with some people should have done all that kind of stuff. Didn't do any of that at all. Um, and I think that's why side projects are fun. You don't have to do it in that way. You can just build something and just see how it goes, even if you throw it away. So for me, it was, um, it was okay. Um, pick the technology. And I really, um, I really wanted to pick a couple of pieces of the stack that I knew I could reuse so I wasn't doing it to pick like the fanciest stack or anything like that. Just pick something I know I'm sort of familiar with. And if I can just get fam more familiar with it, I can reuse this again and again. So I can build many more from mm -hmm. here. Um, so the first thing I did was really just get my head around Node.js and like, okay, how does that work? How do you set that up? Um, and then actually for this one, honestly, the hardest thing and the most time investment was actually coming up with the levels because that is the bulk of the app. It's like, they have to be interesting. They have to be difficult, but not too difficult. There has to be a good mix, you know, and coming up with the levels probably took most of the time. Um, but then I just started to build and it, it was lots of trial and error. It's like, okay, let's get a Node.js server up and running. And then every step was like a problem. Something wasn't working. Right. And then I put it on the server and it didn't work properly. And it was just like iteration after iteration. But once I had the basic stuff up and running, it was like, okay, cool. This is going to work. Now I just need to build those levels out. Mm. So you mentioned about, ideally having mock-ups and things did you find that hindered you at all not having that i.e you started to code something and then realized actually you hadn't thought through a certain part of it and it was much harder or wasn't as you expected once you started building it yeah it was and you know the ideal thing is to have you know a friend that's a, a designer that can help you because <laughs> i think that would have saved me a lot of time um and it certainly would will in future apps where it's a bit more complicated i think but I think for this one, it, it was very stripped down. So there's not a lot to it. It's quite simple. Um, and I iterated on it. So the first version I put out there probably looked really bad. It still doesn't look great. But, um, you know, I changed the design a couple of times. And that was a bit painful. I had to go back through and update everything. And it would have been better to have that more uh, planned out. as kind mm. of building as I went and designing as I went. Um, so, yeah, some mock-ups would have helped, definitely. But I think, I don't know, I think all in all, when you're on your own and doing everything yourself, like don't put too many of those hurdles in the way, like mm. just build. And I think that was useful for me to not have any excuses of like, oh, I need to have all my mock-ups and a mood board, right? Mm. Like that's an excuse to just getting on and building. So I think for me, it's very helpful just to say, no, no, you're just going to work until midnight now, put your headphones on and just and have this thing up and running live so you can go to the, the domain and actually see it for real. Like that was the most important stuff really. Mm. Okay. And so, and that's interesting as well, like about how you set, parameters about working on it because you, you obviously had a full-time job at the time so evenings and weekends like how did you actually keep the momentum going of when you're going to work on it and stick to it basically yeah yeah so it was the christmas break so i had a few a few days off and i was like right um two weeks into january i want this thing up and running that i could send to somebody and they could actually do it i don't know how many levels and how perfect it will be actually i did i did kind of i said i wanted 20 levels um essentially in the first two weeks of January. So I said, I've got the Christmas period to kind of map it out and do some basics. And then I've got two weekends um, where, you know, I've got other stuff to do. So it's not completely free for this. 
but in two weekends, this thing has to be live um, and I need to be able to send it to somebody. And I didn't make that commitment to anybody. Um, I just made it to myself uh, and just made sure that there was something there. And that helped me think through, okay, let's not overcomplicate this. Um, let's just have something fully working um, in a basic level in two weeks time. Hmm, okay. Um, and did you meet that deadline? I did, yeah. I did, okay. Uh, impressive. <laughs> Yeah. And, that, and again, that's why it's like really stripped down. It's just, I tried not to overcomplicate it. And I think if I would have said I had six months, mm. I would have made it a lot more fancy and mm. I would have done a lot more things, but like literally, I don't know, it's probably six days or something in total. Um, yeah. Wow, including okay. Like the basic version was there. Yeah. And did you, you said you use notion, did you have like a board or anything? Like, did you have like kind of Kanban method or anything in terms of like the different things you're working on? Or did you just decide like on the fly when you were coding it? Yeah, I mean, really bad. Uh, these are all bad answers, right? Because I should have <laughs> should have used a Trello board. But it was basically a Notion document. And I've still got them. I've just got this Notion document of like, here's what needs to be done today. And then I just would keep adding to it based on things that were broken. It's like, okay, SSL certificate, I need to read about that. It's not working. Mm. Um, all those kind of things. So yeah, I just kept iterating on a Notion document. It's like a big, long to-do list. Mm. Yeah. Do you have to be quite disciplined for that? Because there's not a chance of like major scope creep of just adding, you know, just getting distracted, adding more things in and never really completing oh, it. Massively. massively. Because I ended up, I, there was a point where I ended up looking around at CSS frameworks because I was like, oh, do I really have to use Bootstrap again? Like I've always used that in the yeah. past. I was like, oh, does anybody use that anymore? I have no idea. Um, so I probably wasted about three or four hours looking at um, CSS frameworks and oh, that's cool. That'd be interesting. But then when I dug into like how to implement it, I thought, oh, this just feels a bit too much. Let's just put Bootstrap in. Um, so yeah, I had to be disciplined in the sense that that time frame of like 20 levels in two weeks, that was the thing. It was mm. like, if I start messing around with Tailwind or whatever it is, or pure CSS, and I don't know them very well, like I'm going to burn my time for that deadline. So mm. I just, I know Twitter Bootstrap. I don't know if it's cool anymore. I have no idea, but it kind of did the did the job. Let's just go with it. Mm. and like it's just i guess not adding extra extra things to learn and and to know about that you already you haven't previously used you know it might not be perfect but it it just means you're quite comfortable and know how quickly you can build with it yeah 100 percent. i'll tell you what made me feel a lot better and i think you know this guy as well as that peter, peter levels guy mm. uh, I, I think at the time when i was building i was looking on his profile and stuff and he was just you know some stuff that he written wrote in his book at the time which i bought as well which is like he's using PHP and he just doesn't mm. care. And he's building these great apps, um, making loads of money from them actually in just old technology or stable technology, we should say. So I kind of felt better about it and just thought, you know, this just doesn't really matter. And having worked with engineers a lot, obviously as a product manager, you do get that feeling of like, oh, we should be really careful what we choose, mm. you know, like, and we should make the right decisions and we should learn the newest stuff. And it's cool, has all these benefits. I think when you're on your own or a very small team, like all that stuff goes out the window. It's all yeah. about building something and just use jQuery. In fact, I was prepared to use jQuery. In the end, I didn't need it because it didn't, you know, I didn't have any functionality that really needed it, but I would have used it. Yeah. If yeah. Well, it's something I've suffered from with projects I've worked in the past where I've seen the latest tech stack you should be using and, you know, React or whatever. And I just really struggled to get my head around it. It's just, you know, um, and and become it really slows you down. You end up not really getting anything done. And that becomes frustrating just for the sake of having the you know the most recommended um, front end framework or whatever it might be. Um, so I think there's a lesson to be learned there about like use what works for you and just stick with it. And if you get it live, that's the most important thing. And then you can worry about you know rebuilding it or restructuring it later on. 
Yeah, 100%. Um, well, again, you've done a good job of segue into the next kind of section of this, which is the tech stack. So you talked about Node. Obviously, you used that quite significantly. Um, it'd be interesting to just hear like a bit more about like maybe the walkthrough of, of to do with actually putting it live. Like what did that tech stack look like? Like what tools did you use? Like what frameworks did you set up? And maybe just a quick run through the different things. And then also we could talk about you know, hosting and how you put it live, how you deployed it and so on. Yeah, yeah, okay. So the very first thing was like, okay, Node.js, this is going to be the thing. And I played with it a few years ago and I was really impressed. I was like, my God, this is so simple. Well, it's maybe not simple, but it's very quick to get started. And there's a lot to Node.js, the more you get into it. Um, but it's very easy to spin up, um, you know, a web server using Express. So I was like, okay, let's just get Node.js up and running. Let's add on Express and let's just have it serving up different pages. That was my first step. Mm. So that I could go to a URL and I could just see, okay, wow, it's loading up pages. Now I can start building out. And actually what I really wanted to do at that point is I wanted it live so I could make sure I had that whole pipeline set up so I could get it into production. I understood rather than sitting there for like two weeks and build it all on my local machine and then deploy it. I didn't want to do that. I was like, let's get a deployment up and running very soon. So yeah, I got, I got Express and Node working and there were some pages coming up. I was like, okay, cool. Added a CSS file, um, things like that. And then the next step is really right. Let's get this thing deployed and hook up the URL so I can see it for real. So that was the first step. And then when that happens, like you feel kind of like that's a, a major milestone, mm. like this is live. Okay, it doesn't do anything, and I'm not going to send it to anybody yet. But I can see it working. And in those steps was a whole bunch of pain points, right? Like getting GitHub set up properly, doing your Git commands, which, you know, when you haven't done that stuff for a long time, you just you just cannot remember how yeah, to do it all. Yeah. So that took a few iterations. So it's like, okay, I've got that. That's good. Everything's going into GitHub. Now plug in GitHub to a server. Um, and see it go live, sort out the DNS, sort out the domain, and then bingo, everything's working. Okay, now I can start building. Um, so yeah, do you want me to talk through the, the server that I chose and things yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting. I mean, so I think it's interesting well that you hooked it up to production. I don't know how many people do that on, or, or would do that later on, but I think it's quite, a, I, I agree that there's that satisfaction of actually being alive in the wild. It feels quite motivating then that you keep building and adding something to it. Even if you're not sharing it, it's still publicly accessible essentially. Um, but yeah, you, tell us about the, the hosting you set up with and, and how that all went. Yeah, so there's obviously tons out there. And I don't know if I went for the best one, but I've been happy with it so far. And that's Heroku. Mm -hmm. And I know, I, you know, I was reading online at the time, there's a lot of complaints about Heroku because they took away their free tier and they put in a basic plan. But the basic plan is pretty cheap. And for me, it was quite enlightening how easy it was. Like you sign up, you create your uh, your your um space or whatever and then you plug in your github authorize it and everything and then it just pulls in your github and builds it and mm. there might have been a couple of problems getting that working but essentially it worked very quickly um and then you set up your ssl certificate and and the domain hosting side of things where you point your domain name to it and yeah it's really good it's very quick so basically that all started working just within a couple of hours and you get this nice heroku dashboard where you mm. can see traffic and um how much you need to pay for and you know i just signed up for the very basic tier which is like 7.99 a month or something i think it has dollars whatever it is it's very very cheap and i just paid for that um yeah and then um then i went back and started doing the twitter bootstrap stuff google analytics and i actually added in microsoft clarity as well which is a free a free analytics tool so i had both that and google analytics running handlebars was the key thing for the view templates mm -hmm. 
again that's an interesting one that's one where i kind of did do some searching because i was like handlebars feels a bit limiting it's quite basic um and i was a bit worried that maybe i'd run out of room with that but actually mm -hmm. looking around to be honest it was a good choice um it's very simple very easy to use and that enabled me to get you know get up and running with a you know the bulk of the application really fast so handlebars is great um and then css basic css which i just wrote myself and then eventually i added a postgres database um so after this is about a month after launching it <laughs> just to oh, so it went live without the database initially it went live without database, oh, really okay which again was a big criteria for me because every other thing that i want to build would definitely require a database yeah. So I was like, okay, this is a, this is just such a great case. It doesn't need a database. Let's just get up and running. That's one thing that we can remove off the table. But I quickly found out a database was useful. So I ended up adding that on later. And what was great was um, on Heroku, you can just, it's one click to add your own Postgres database and then you hook it up. Yeah. And of course, there's some code that you've got to put in place for all that. But generally speaking, I added a database in, I think it was probably a couple of hours on one Sunday um, and it was up and running live. And that was fantastic. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much the entire stack, I would say. I took Microsoft Clarity out. Um, mm. I just left, left Google Analytics, which was enough. But otherwise, that was basically all the tech involved. Yeah, mm. yeah I think the standout thing there is handlebars versus, I don't know, Vue or React or, you know, other, um, you know, latest and greatest in terms of front-end frameworks. And um, again, that's exactly the thing I've, I've struggled with. It's like, it feels like using something like that is a little bit dated. I, like a couple of the other ones are like Mustache and is it Numchucks or there's some similar ones that like all feel like you're going to get to a limit very quickly. But actually, if you're hitting that limit, it's probably a good sign that you've got to that point anyway, rather than not hitting any kind of limit with your React and not, not getting it over the line. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm 100% sure that if I read enough articles about it, people would say, don't use handlebars because you're, mm. you know, your limitations. I'm certain of that. But you know, maybe at some point I will, but to be honest with you, I haven't any limitations with mm. what I've needed to do here so far. Okay. So you've got it all set up in production and I guess we've kind of jumped forward a little bit in terms of it already being live, but how did you actually launch it? Like what did your big, big bang product launch look like? Because I think this is where it gets quite interesting in terms of um, what actually happened once you got, got the word out about Hackery. Yeah. So the first person I showed it to was my wife and kids. And my wife was so disappointed. She thought this thing is absolutely terrible. Cause she's like, I thought you were building something like Wordle, something that everyone could play. I was like, oh God, it's so disappointing. So she really made me feel bad. Um, at first. <laughs> no one's going to like this. It sucks. But actually my kids liked it more. So they were really intrigued and they actually managed to get through the first like couple of levels with mm. a little bit of support, but they were kind of intrigued by the whole concept. Um, you know, playing around with URLs, figuring out how to get to the next level. Um, it was kind of fun. So I thought, okay, you know, you've got young kids that are interested in this. Maybe maybe it's going to work. So the first thing I did, I just sent it literally to a couple of friends and some colleagues actually at mm. work and just said, hey, check it out. And it had 20 levels. I have to say, when I planned these 20 levels, I didn't think anyone was going to complete it because I thought some of these levels are extremely difficult. Mm. Some of them are very easy for sure. And there's some quick wins and there's also some wins that are kind of later on as well. So it doesn't, it's not completely progressively harder, kind of deviates a bit, but some of the levels on there, I thought this is so hard. I don't know if anyone's going to figure this out. So I just put it out there and I, what I wanted to test was like, can anybody get through this um, unaided essentially without asking for too much support? 
And it turns out we had a couple of very tenacious people, um, developers in particular, that just wouldn't let it go. <laughs> and they did actually get to the end of the 20 levels um, and gave great feedback and just said, wow, that was you know, it's really good fun. Mm. Some of the levels on there were just really interesting. They weren't quite what I expected. Because I think when you go through the first few levels, you think, okay, is it going to be like this all the way through? It's kind of straightforward. And then it changes. Like some of the levels are just totally different and you have to go off to the web and do things and come back and stuff like that. So I, I could tell that it was engaging people um and then you know people were sharing it with their friends and you know i could see on google analytics okay it's like a couple of people every day are just playing around mm. with it cool um yeah and then do you want me to carry on with the next steps <laughs> yeah yeah so so okay good start then you've got your first i guess user first customer if you like um in terms of actually using the tool and and then what happened yeah so i guess the key thing was there was some good feedback there people were like okay this is actually quite fun um and i was getting reactions on different levels that were like yeah i really enjoyed level 13 or whatever mm. so then i thought actually that's when i put a database in a couple of weeks i thought i should be tracking what people are um, mm. posting as answers not who they are but just a list of every submission that people make and the reason for that is two reasons. One is there's a whole bunch of Easter eggs. So if you put in certain things that aren't the correct answer, they can sometimes take you somewhere or they can give you a certain response because you mm. get responses um, based on everything you put in. So I thought, okay, let's find out what most people are submitting as wrong answers. And then I can go back and put uh, better responses in for them and also more Easter eggs. And also I thought it'd be interesting to see which levels are the hardest. So how many answers per level mm. so we can kind of plot like the difficulty. So that's what I did very quickly. And that was really interesting because the database started scaling. I had to quickly um, upgrade the Postgres system, actually, because it was very quickly like, because people were hammering this. So if they're stuck on a level, they're hammering it with like 100 answers or something. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. Anyway, then it was like, okay, where can I put this thing like to get a bit more feedback? So I think I put it on Reddit or something, but in some, I don't really know Reddit very well. So I probably put it in the wrong places, didn't get much traction. And then I, I think it was even you said, like, try out Hacker News. So I went to Hacker News and I just put a post on there. And I thought, to be honest, with the amount of noise that's going on in Hacker News, this is not even going to register. Um, I put it on there, uh, probably like eight o'clock at night or something. And I just put the most basic post. I was like, oh, difficult puzzle game. Try it out, something or other. I don't know. And a link to Hakari.io. And I think it was about 10 p.m. at night. I looked on Google Analytics. And normally there's like one or two people it just says like yeah uk whatever two two users that's it it went up to like 130 people was, you know one moment and i was just like whoa okay okay it's not a huge absolute number but clearly a bunch of people have seen this and the thing that was interesting it was all over the world it was like mm. china australia us it was okay that's interesting so now we've got a whole bunch of random people that i don't know that are jumping on this and that continued and then there was posts, you know, a lot of, you know, need 200 responses on Hacker News of people sharing answers and people mm. like commenting on it. And that was kind of really interesting. <laughs> and then that just continued. It was just like every day, hundreds of people, new people, and it just shot up. And, you know, eventually it got to like nearly 10,000 people wow. playing. Yeah. And um, I was really surprised. And then it started to spread. Like I went onto Twitter a couple of days later and there was people sharing pictures of them playing the game at their work. There was these people in yeah, India that cool. were lunch break and it was on the screen and they were like having um, you know, a puzzle lunch or whatever. And then I started to get loads of stuff on Twitter. People were responding about it. And eventually people started to complete it a lot more. 
Um, so during that phase, at some point, I'd already been kind of chipping away at V2, which is another 21 levels that were going to be a lot harder, a lot mm. more interesting. So I was kind of ready to launch that actually. And I just kind of launched that at the same time. And then people were just chewing that up because they were getting through V1 too easy. So right. like, okay, it'll be a lot harder. So we added the extra 20, 21 levels and some of those are extremely challenging, I would mm. say. And that's when I started to get interesting feedback from people. Um, so people were emailing about their experience of it and what they liked about it. There was, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. Like people were saying, oh, you know, me and my partner are doing like takeout a couple of times a week. We get takeaway and we sit down and play sure, together. Yeah. They were like, it's the best thing we've done for, for ages. We absolutely love it. Um, and then some, you know, woman emailed saying, oh, me and my son have been playing this and we've been going through like all the different challenges and cryptography and um, Sudoku or whatever, just all these crazy different levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been so engaging for me and my son to do this together. And and then there's like families that have been playing it around the dinner table. And it's like, oh my God, this is just, that was so inspiring. So like the actual absolute number of people is not that big. So this mm. is not like a huge viral hit, but like the kind of people that are playing it mm. really dug the game. And I was like, okay, these people get it and they really enjoy it. And there's enough of these people out there to kind of make it worthwhile. So yeah, and lots of people are writing back saying, when's V3 going to be ready? <laughs> oh, this is like all this pressure to build more. So yeah, it was really hacker news that kind of, mm. I would say that was the big, the big one. Yeah. And I think you're underselling it a bit because it really did blow up on that. I mean, like it just went from zero to a hundred, you know, and I, I guess because it was quite unexpected. Cause I, th I think you said just before that, did you launch it on product hunt as well? And nothing really happened that yeah, much? Yeah, nothing, that? nothing didn't even register. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it went on hack news and it just, yeah, suddenly loads of people. Like, and I was obviously playing it a bit at the time. And um, I remember you said as well, a few people, um, had got in touch with just really nice messages to basically say, you know, that um, that they'd kind of bit stuck in like a bit of, a, um, you know, having a tough time and they played the game and it kind of really motivated them and like just really nice stories that you heard about why people were playing it, which is, must be like massively unexpected. Um, for, yeah, so that stuff's amazing. And I think that's, that I guess that wasn't necessarily the reason to build it, but probably actually a really good success signal after all that, um, the way it was actually used and the feedback that you got. Yeah, hundred percent. And it was just, it was just really great. It's not like I'm trying to build a business from this thing. It was just fun, but it was just amazing. You know, there was some guy in London was like, oh, you know, we should meet up for a coffee if you're really? ever in London. There was a European government arm that were all playing it together in their office and like competing against each other. And, you know, like you say, there was some guy that was like stuck in a rut a little mm. bit and he just said, oh, this helped me kind of break out of it and focus mm. on something sustained for a while. There's some guy that literally stayed up for 48 hours nonstop. To complete. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to bed now, but thank you so much. This has been wow. great. He hasn't slept for two days. Um, so yeah, clearly there's just a very small group of people that like these kind of challenging puzzles and just won't let them go. And that yeah. was just great to see. Because then you think, okay, you can just do this more. Let's just create more levels and it can just grow and mm -hmm. just be more fun, essentially. Yeah. And um, we'll get to that bit in a minute. And, and just talking about like it's not business, you were still able to monetize it a little bit, right? Yeah, I think one of your suggestions was to put a donation thing on there. Um, so I used the Buy Me a Coffee, which I have yeah, to say really good is a fantastic tool. Like yeah. it was just another one of these things that you put it in, but it, it was so low effort to do. I think that was up and running in like half an hour and um, you know, could take payments and connect it to a Stripe account. And um, you know, I just put it on a couple of different pages and it's very lightweight. It's just if people want to donate, but suddenly donations were coming in, people buying like three or four coffees. Yeah, that's really and cool. I just put all that money aside, but it just pays for the Heroku servers mm. essentially. 
which has actually grown in cost since the app has uh, expanded a bit. But um, that's all it is. And, and that's just really great. And it's also just amazing that someone would give you money for this thing. And you think, wow, okay, that really validates like that it had some value for these people. So, mm. And when you yeah. had the quite high volumes of traffic, were you tempted to try and kind of push that a bit more in terms? Because I think you were very subtle with it. Were you tempted to kind of gamify it a bit in terms of like getting some more um, contributions? I had so many people say this, like, oh, you need to put a, a you know, a payments in at level 20. So that people <laughs> want to carry on, they got to pay and you should, you know, you should be doing a lot more to monetize this thing. And I wasn't really tempted by that, if I'm honest with you, because as I said, right at the beginning, this project was the fun one. I just mm. wanted this to just be pure fun all the way through. And, you know, I don't expect anyone to pay for it. The coffee, buying coffee is really helpful, but um, no, I wanted to keep this one free and I think it should be free for the foreseeable as well, because, and it's also because of the feedback that people mm. were saying, I just thought people are really having fun with this. I don't want to, I don't want to put that pay thing in front of that, like just have fun and zero commitment, whatever you want to do. And I think it would change things a little bit. I yeah. think if you start asking for money, it would just change the, the motivation and the feeling of it a little bit. Yeah, it feels like it's the kind of thing that could kind of kill some of that viral effect that you had from it being passed around. Like suddenly it's it's not the same thing. It's not the same sort of feeling in terms of that game. Actually, you're trying to sort of squeeze squeeze some extra money from it, which kind of uh, kills the fun a bit. So I can understand that. Um, okay, two more things just to kind of wrap up then. Um, one is maybe not all of, them, all of them, but any kind of specific things that stand out in terms of challenges or mistakes that you made along the way that you would do differently next time. Well, I should have put a database in earlier because I probably missed quite a few thousand bits of data that would have been quite helpful. And since then, it's nearly half a million in answers, right? So I've got this huge wow. backlog yeah, of data yeah. I don't even look at, but I will eventually sort through and be like, oh my God, okay, let's put some more Easter eggs in. That would have been cool. I think that, um, I think one problem I had, by the way, that I didn't mention is I had a lot of people hacking it. So mm. I had people, someone in Japan who just hammered the answers with some dictionary, you know, uh, spam okay. thing right. and i had to quickly put ip filtering in in the code to like stop these people just hammering the database and delete all their records because they were just filling up thousands mm. hundreds of thousands of records so i had to clean that up um and there were problems like that but generally speaking you know some guy kept bringing down the server but he emailed me and said i'm really sorry i didn't mean to i just keep crashing the server because he was trying to solve one level that's a bit technical and uh, I don't know how he managed to do that, but he kept bringing it down. Uh, but he said sorry, and then eventually got past the level, and that was fine. So no, not really, not many problems. Um, you know, what was interesting online was when people started sharing answers. Mm. I did think, mm, how do I feel about that? But luckily, the community actually stepped in and said, hey, make sure you encode your answers. People are using, like, suggesting using basic cryptography to hide the answers. And if people really want it, they can unscramble oh, really? it. And that was really helpful. And then I saw some somebody wrote a blog in, I think, Korea or Taiwan somewhere detailing every first 20 level mm. in, in their language. And, you know, at one point I thought, God, that's a lot of detail I've given away there. But the other point of it was he was really enjoying it from what mm. I can tell. He was just kind of explaining like how he cracked the level. And I just thought, you know what? This is all just for people that enjoy it. If, if people want to cheat, it's also no problem. Um, but I think most of the people that have completed it, you know, from what they've said, I'm pretty sure they've gone through the pain of <laughs> pain of actually solving it properly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And what about like process side of things? Is there anything like you talked about mock-ups and things doing that differently? Like, and I think it's also just interesting how you got it over the line, like actually finishing it. Like, is there anything advice wise that you think is, was quite important to you actually getting to that, that stage of completing something? 
Definitely the deadline and scope. I think mm. those are the two key things. Setting some kind of date that isn't like 12 months from now or six months from now. Having something to show. And I think going back to that point about like, just make it live. You don't have to send it to anyone. But having something live is the first main step. So mm. It's not just on your local machine. It's not just stored in GitHub. It's actually out there on a domain. Um, and I think reducing the scope down so that you can achieve that quickly and have one thing working. So even if it was an app with a database and sign in, but just having that sign in, first submission, view the submission, like just totally strip it down to bare bones, send it to someone that you know, get some feedback and then add more and more. But, you know, it's so tempting and I'm definitely guilty of this, of like creating a master plan of like, it's going to do all these things. It's going to be awesome. But yeah, I think certainly for the first couple of projects, like just keep it really simple and you can build on that later on. Yeah, it's the cliche saying, but like, the simpler the better and then you can build on top of it once it's actually live 100 yeah. um okay final thing then what's next are you going to build is it v3 you're on now like what are you going to yeah build more so there's a huge amount of pressure to build v3 um i keep getting twitter messages and emails of asking when it's going to be ready so i'm mapping it out but the problem is it's got to be even harder because like the expectation you know the kind of yeah. people that play v3 are the kind of people that want a lot of challenging levels so yeah, the goal is to is to make a V3 some point this year, um, but it's taking some time to plan it because it's yeah. um, it's going to be a, a whole different level, hopefully. Hmm. Awesome. Well, um, that was just really cool listening to that. And I think um, a lot of inspiration there in terms of um, building something like that. So if you haven't seen it, Hakari, Hakari.io is the domain, right? Um, there you go. go and check it out. Um, if, if you're into that kind of thing, you probably will sink quite a few hours into it. It is pretty addictive um, and um, it is a lot of fun um yeah and i think that probably wraps up the first episode thanks a lot for being on here awesome thanks for inviting me that's fun all right cheers tim bye you'll talk